0: Well, if you'll open your Bibles to Romans 12 this morning. Paul has been writing to a group of people in Rome where he has never been to Rome, but he knows a lot of people are there. In fact, um, he'd met many people during his travels and stuff that had finally made it there, so he's writing a letter, and in fact, at the end of the book of Romans… End of the letter, he starts saying, hey, thank this person, say hi to this person, make sure you take care of this person. So he's writing to some of the people that he knows. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of fun to, to, to think of it that way and to, to go back and we're going to cover some of those personalities and what we know about them as we get to the, the end. So last uh, last week, well, let's jump into Romans twelve three, and we'll talk about last week here in a second. But it says, "For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function." if it is to show mercy do it cheerfully let uh, love must be sincere hate what is evil cling to what is good be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves so the i mean this this section of scripture is just just packed full of different things. And we won't be able to cover all of it today. But uh, last week, we, we, I, I want to talk about last week a little bit because it goes right into what we're talking about today. But last week it says uh, at the beginning there, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves or your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. So we talked about how this was logical worship here. We present ourselves, and He is the one who makes us holy. You know, a lot of times we think we have to clean ourselves up before we come to God, and that's, that, that process is backwards. We have to come to God, and then He cleans us up over time. It takes time on that. Uh, the, the second verse there says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And we talked about how we shouldn't look to this world if, uh, for us to figure out who we are. We shouldn't go out into the world and say, well, I need to be like that, or I need to be like this person, or I need to be like that person. We go to God for those things, because if we do that, we end up being what? Just like the world. And what's the world like? Well, they're selfish. They're rude. I mean, just, you could list, I mean, they're lustful. I mean, just watch TV one night, and you'll find out how much lust there is in the world, okay? It's just right in front of you. We need to throw that away, and instead, we need to be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about that last week, and this is great. We're being transformed. We're being morphed into something else, and this takes time. It's not an instant thing. You know, I, I, now I'm more filled with grace now than I was 10 years ago. I know that's hard for some of you to believe that. You're like, do I see? No, anyway, but I'm just saying that that as we mature, as we grow in the Lord, we grow in these things. Each one of us has presented ourselves, and we need to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then we're slowly transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is a spirit-led Process, okay? It's not a, well, if I just do these 12 steps, it's if I do these 12 steps with the blessing of the Holy Spirit or looking to God, okay? Uh, It's that type of uh, deal. So we need to give grace to each other because each one of us is on a different level on this. Does that make sense? We need to extend grace to one another. Because some of us, have, you know, some of us aren't quite there yet. And some of us, you know, we're struggling with one area of our life or we're struggling with another area of our life. And we don't need to be like, well, I took care of that in my life. I don't know why you're struggling with that. I mean, that's ridiculous. We, we, need, to, we need to encourage them. We need to walk along beside them. We need to, to pray for them. We need to help them when they ask for it. So it's a, it's a spirit-led process. And we do all those things. And then it says, then you will be able to... Test and approve what is God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you, you know, have confusion in your life, what is, what is the will of God in this particular decision? One thing will clear this up is, are you acting or are you living as a, as a living sacrifice? Are you conformed to God or are you conformed to the world? Which one is it? Is your mind being renewed uh, or is it cloudy because you haven't done these things? Because we can't keep our feet in both worlds. You can't. You can't have a a split personality on this. It's amazing to me how much more clear the will of God is when we're living for him and not according to this world. Now, Paul, he goes on and shows us more than, than we can do uh, he, he goes on. Basically, he's showing us more than what we can do with our own mind. And, and, and if we get renewed by God, Paul's going to teach us how we can humbly and realistically evaluate ourselves to the point where we know what our giftings are, we know what our purpose is, and we know the place that we fit in into the body of Christ. Verse 3 it says, For, the, by, for by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And according with the, uh, in accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. Now, we talked about the maturing process. The more we mature in the Lord, the less we think of ourselves. And I, I'm hoping that comes soon for, for my son Brandon. Six and a half, man. He just thinks of himself, doesn't he? He, this morning, he got out of his bed and he came in and he sat down and he's sitting down in a red chair and he's got, he loves red blanket. He's got his snuggled up in his red blanket. Oh wait, no, he forgot his red blanket. He had to go back and get his red blanket. So he actually got up and went and got his red blanket and then he came back down and he snuggled up in it. And then about two minutes later, he goes, Where's mama? And I go, well, she's doing something, I don't know. He goes, well, I need her to go get such and such from my bedroom. I'm like, you have two feet. You have muscles. You can get out of that chair. You can go back in there and get it. And he's just like, oh. I'm like, no, 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 no. come back. Let's redo this. And he's like, well, I'm like, get back in the chair. Okay, now you can go get it. And he starts to sort of laugh. And then he gets up and he, he like does something else and he, I let him get halfway there and I go, no, 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 no. Come back. Come back here. No, no, no. Let's redo this, okay? He's thinking of himself and the process is we're trying as parents, we're trying to mature him so he doesn't think so much of himself. When we mature, we start to think of other people. From time to time, we're supposed to think of ourselves and evaluate, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Interesting instructions here. Paul tells us in Romans 3 that the baseline for the test is what? Humility and sobriety. We are not to... Uh, overrate our ability. You know what I'm saying? Some of us think, oh, we're, you know, it's, it's like my son thinking he's the greatest soccer player in the world. Now, he doesn't think that, but if, imagine if he did. Well, his first soccer practice game ever was Saturday. Let me tell you, he's not the greatest soccer player in the world. But as parents, we could build him up so he thinks he's the greatest soccer player in the world. You know what I'm saying? We do that to children nowadays. We should not do that. We should be humble and sober about this. We have to, de- you know, develop this realistic view of who we really are. Not a downtrodden view, not a let me beat myself over the head view, but a realistic view. We're not to overrate our ability. We're, we're to develop a, a, that realistic view. It's an interesting word. It's sofranio or something like that in the Greek, however you pronounce it. It's to make a sound judgment, to be sensible. So we have to take stock of our strengths so we don't uh, overestimate them, and we shouldn't underestimate them. We should think of ourselves soberly. Now, when you think of the word sober, what do you think of? Alcohol, right? Or an addict? You You know, somebody who's been clean and sober for so many days. Paul uses the word sobriety here, and yet he hasn't brought up drugs and alcohol. You see, we're really inebriated with ourselves in many ways. We get drunk on how wonderful we are. They actually have books published about how to take the perfect selfie. Where's my phone? You got to get the right angle, the right, you know, got to wear the right. I mean, the perfect selfie. Man, just think of any big name actor most of them, not all, most of them, <laughs> what kind of view do they have themselves uh, of themselves? You ever look in the mirror and go, I'm so pretty, so pretty. We can be intoxicated with ourselves. I am the gift of God to the world. No, that's Jesus. But we think we are, you know? I mean, oh man, we just get drunk on ourselves. Uh, you know, so, so, what is, so what sobers us? Well, a couple of things. Read Romans 1 through 3 again. That is what sobers us. We're not going to read it again, but later on you can. And we, ha- we see these tendencies of human beings, how God will let us live in this pig pen, and we just keep going to it over and over. And we have this part of us that cannot be trusted. And that's where the Holy Spirit has to come in and tamper that part down. What tendencies do you have that look just like the world? And that's what you've got to go to God and say, God, help me with this one. You, I can't do this on my own. I can't prevent myself. You, your Holy Spirit needs to help me out on this. But, you know, beyond our potential to sin, you know, we need to look back down on memory lane, you know? Not too long, because we don't want to get so downtrodden. We don't want to get so negative about ourselves. But, but we need to say, man, what? What have I done that God has saved me from? What are the, what are the things that, that I've gone against God down this particular path or down this particular road that went against the things of God and, and God had to bring me back from that? See, now, I, I love the Lord. You can ask for forgiveness and guess what? God forgives and he not only forgives, he forgets. It's gone. He doesn't even remember that you've done that. That is an awesome thing, right? Right? I mean, get an amen somewhere. Somebody's done something that you're sitting there going, I'm glad God's forgotten about that, right? Okay, good, good. You are awake. See, God forgets all that stuff, but we don't. And, you know, sometimes I wish we'd just forget it, you know? But at the same time, maybe God doesn't allow us to forget it so we can remember not to do it again. Not to go down that path again. Not to allow ourselves to be sucked back into that particular life again. See, the devil is is not that creative in in how he tempts us. He uses the same tactic over and over and over again. And for us to realize that we need help in our maturing is a great step. And thinking about sin for a second, and then we remember Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no what? Condemnation and those who are in Christ Jesus. And we breathe that sigh of relief. So, how are we to think of ourselves? Verse 3. For it is, uh, for by grace given me, I said to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself as a, with a sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. So once we understand that the failures in this life, that we can get off of those things. We can move on. We lift our highs up to God, and He reminds us who He is, and He's given each of us, you know, freely He's given each of us a measure of faith. Think about that for a second. He's given you a measure of faith. And we're sitting there going, oh, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough. No, 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 no. God has already given it to you. You just got to take it. You got to work with it. You got you to run with it. And this sobers us up a little bit that God has actually done these things. Done these things for us. See, God has somehow worked with this flawed clay that, that we call ourselves. And somehow, way, God has patched it all together. He's made it whole. He's made it new. He made it into something really cool. And he's used some of us in these really cool ways. And that humbles us and encourages us at the same time. We see how God uses us and see how he uses other people even despite our weaknesses. And that's a great thing. We get a God confidence, okay? It's not what the Bible calls—well, this, this is what the Bible calls meekness. And it replaces our self-confidence. That the world, you know, the, the world says you need to build up your self-confidence, The world says all these things. You can do anything in the world that you want to do, right? No, you can't. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be the greatest basketball player in the world. I love playing basketball, but it's not going to happen, okay? But the world tells me what? You can do anything you want, Alan. You can do it. You can do it. Within the ability that God has given you, yes, you can do it. You see, that's God esteem within the abilities that God has given you. With the Lord's help, help, you can accomplish great things. This is God confidence. See, God's not interested in building our self-esteem, uh, but he's, he wants to build meekness so we find our purpose in this life. And then we have this, you know, this, this much healthier view of us than what the world has. We have a, you know, much better chance of finding out what re- what we're really good at instead of the world saying that we're good at everything. It's our jobs as parents, as coaches, as teachers, as leaders, to help build the self-esteem of our children the proper way. The proper way. I mean, I love the idea of the young kids, really young, getting trophies. Every one of them gets a trophy. I I love that idea. But there comes an age where first place ought to get the trophy and maybe second and third or whatever. But guess what? There are losers in this life. You're not going to win every time. Sorry, you don't get a trophy. That's how it is. We need to be realistic in these things. And, And because there comes a point where reality will hit us. That's just how life is. I'm slowly trying to teach that to Brandon. Brandon, that's just how life is. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I can't do that all at once because, man, he'd be afraid of life, right? See, the world wants to say everybody's a winner. This is why you have a generation of people keep saying, no, fair. Sorry, life isn't fair. Sin has entered this world, and it's messed up everything. Thank you, Adam and Eve, Right? You know we're gonna have all these long lines in heaven. I want to meet so and so. I want to meet so and so. And Adam and Eve, I, I don't know their line may be short. That or there's gonna be people upset. I, you, but you're in heaven, so how, I don't know how that all works. But I'm just saying thank you. You know, but there comes a time when we must start working within our gifting that God has given us. And there's this God esteem, our meekness comes into play into that. So that so that somebody like like Moses. M- 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 Moses can walk into f- f- Pharaoh's court when the Holy Spirit says, "Moses, don't worry about all that. just say, Let my people go and Moses could get that out of his mouth, okay, you know what I'm saying? God gives certain people certain things, and by the Holy, you know by the Holy Spirit we can do those. This is the kind of attitude that provokes the right action in our life when, you know where we can actually do, do more than just this whole self-esteem thing. We can do the God confidence that's not based on my ability. It's not based on my mood. Oh, you've ever had a task you had to do when you're not in the mood for it? You know, and that's when you got to go, God, just help me get through this project or help me get through this thing because I'm really not in the mood for it. You know, and God goes, okay, I'll help you. I'm right there for you. It's not based on, on, you know, our joy, our happiness. You know, happiness is one thing. Joy is God thing. Happiness is what the world says. Oh, you've got to be happy. And you're like, okay. It's like when I tell my son, just smile. Come on, just... And he's like... You know, you can tell when it's a genuine smile. You know, the eyes kind of squint a little bit when it's a genuine smile. That's part of the selfie book. If you squint your eyes a little bit... Okay, anyway... No, I haven't read it. I'm just joking, okay? But this God-confidence is based on an unchanging nature of who He is. And it's built on this foundation of who He is. So when I choose God-confidence over self-confidence, I'm graduating over to a whole new realm that I can plug in to who God is. And we say, Lord, I need access to your power. I need access to your wisdom as I do this thing today because I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, sometimes God gives us challenges and we've got to trust him that he can get there and get us to do it. You know, go to God and ask, is this an assignment that you have for me? Is this challenging thing that's before me? Is this what you want me to do? Or is this not what you want me to do? And if God, you know, gives you that feeling of, man, this is what you want me to do. You have this confidence in God and not in our flesh. And we're connecting, you know, to God through the Holy Spirit. And we can do any assignment the Lord gives us. Now, does this mean we won't fail? No. Sometimes we do fail. The worst thing in the world that could happen is, is not trying. Sometimes we will fail and it will be okay because we will all make mistakes. We will all do that. He will even allow us to fall as part of the teaching process. He will allow us to stumble as part of that, that process. Some of us are afraid of failures and we don't want to take risk at all when in reality, we're the ones that should be taking risk because we have God's backing. We have a huge safety net under us. It's called God. The worst thing that, you, you know, that can, can happen is you fail and you're laughed at. You know, Brandon started school a few weeks ago. and In class, at one point, he was kind of daydreaming, you know, as kids do. And, and you know what's so funny? The other day, I told, uh, you know, I told you a story about Brandon falling out of his chair. He did it again this last week. And I go, I'm going to tell people in church you're doing that. And he's like, no, no, don't do that. So don't tell them I'm telling these stories about him. okay? I mean, one of these days, if he ever listens to these tapes, he's going to be like, Dad, why did you do Yeah. Like, well, I needed good examples. And you were good. So he's in class, and he's daydreaming. And the teacher, bless her heart, she just innocently said to him, are you in La La Land, Brandon? You know, just, hey. Are you, Brandon, are you in La La Land, you know? So the other kids are laughing. Not necessarily at him. I mean, how many times do you hear the teacher say La La Land? You know what I'm saying? So they're just kind of laughing. Well, Brandon took it as he's being laughed at. And, and oh, man, she, she felt so bad and all that. And six-year-old, it's, you know, it can be a big deal. But, I mean, he got over it, which that's good, you know. But at 16, he'd probably laugh right along, right? He'd probably go, yeah, I wasn't listening to you at all. You know, I mean, come on, you're a teacher. I'm not going to listen. You know, you know the attitudes of, you know, people like him. I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) But with God on our side, when we try something, the worst thing that can happen is for us to fail and be laughed at. That's it. And this is what the Lord is saying. I want you to look at yourself soberly so you will have confidence in me. That's where God wants your confidence to be, not in yourself. And then we say, what faith has God given me so that I can take a risk? You see, if we do this, we have this, or if we don't do this, we have this over, overinflated sense of self-importance or an underflated you know, sense of, of humility that is really just kind of a self-defeating attitude. Paul wants us to be on solid ground and not be intimidated. You know, John Knox, amazing church leader, one of the church reformers during the age of Mary, Queen of Scots, and I would totally do an accent, but all my accents end up being Indian accents, so it doesn't work. But, uh, you know, she was pretty moody if you know anything about her. I mean, if, if, if she was unhappy, the whole kingdom was unhappy, okay? I mean, she just... So one day, John Knox uh, was going to confront the Queen of Egl- England about something, and his advisors pulled him aside and said, said, this is not a good idea. One, she doesn't like to be confronted, and two, she's in a really, really, really bad mood today. And his response was this, Why should I be afraid of an angry queen when I just spent four hours with the king of kings? You see my point? He went to confront her. And this is where the Lord has called us to different challenges in this life. We come to a fork in a road, and and we go, left is easier, right is more challenging. Hmm. And if you prayed through this, and if the harder road is not unbiblical, I want to challenge you to do the harder thing. Why? Because that is where you're going to discover the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's where you're going to discover who you're relying on, whether you rely on yourself or you're relying on God. It's so much easier to take the easy road, isn't it? Oh, man, we learned that from from an early age. It is so much easier to go, Mom, than it is to actually get up and go do something yourself. Or Dad, or whoever. The harder road, if it's not unbiblical... Take it. See, confidence is a tricky thing. And I've told you guys the story about Brandon and water, and, I, and I'll, I'll just give a, a little bit to, of it. But you know, Brandon, from from very early age, has never been a fan of, of water at all. You know, I mean, you're me, you know, screaming anytime water is poured on his head. And a few weeks, you know, several, a couple of months ago, he's screaming at the, you know, screaming about the swim instructor. She's trying to drown me and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but but then just a week later, he's snorkeling with full face snorkel. And you know, it was covering his nose and his eyes, and he, you know, played around with that. And then you heard me tell the story about how now he can just dunk his head underwater. And, and then he realized, wait, if I open my eyes, I can stay underwater for longer. This whole idea of I can see, he plays around with that. Man, his fear was he wouldn't be able to see because he closed his eyes. He had to build up that confidence. It took time. It took a lot of the parents pulling our hair out, going, what are we going to do with this kid? But now the Holy Spirit is taking you to this point. It's, it's not like the Holy Spirit's going to take you, and, you know, you're scared of water. Here, let me just throw you in the deep end. You know, that, that used to be the philosophy of parents. some parents, not all parents, but, man, you need to learn how to swim. I'm just going to throw you in the deep end. He's going to learn how to swim pretty quick, Right? I mean, that's that's the world's philosophy. But it's not like God's going to throw you in there and go, good luck. No, God's not like that. He will help you build up that confidence one step at a time. I mean, this is what John Knox did. He didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to go tell off the Queen of Scots. No, God built up that confidence over time. So the Holy Spirit prompted him to do this. But he already knew what the prompting of the Holy Spirit felt like because of, over time he built that. He wasn't relying on his flesh. See, the Apostle Paul was you know, an amazing guy. He had many honors in his life. He was highly educated. He came from good stock, if you want to call it that. He came from a you know, great family within the Jewish community. He went to the best schools, studied under the best guys. I mean, I mean he was the cream of the crop. But he put all that on the trash heap. Why? Because that was all human confidence. He wanted God confidence. Because it doesn't matter what the world thinks. He says, I actually want to live as someone who's pleasing to God. And it feels great. And the Lord is the one who congratulates me on these things. We can do all things through who? Through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, verse four, it says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, what is the key word in, verse, in those two verses? I would say body or, or members, either one of those. This is a great visual picture that Paul is giving us, a human body. This is how the church functions. There can only be one body, There's not an Orthodox body, there's not a Catholic body, there's not a Protestant body, there's one body. There's not an Armenian body, there's not an American body, there's not a European body. One body, we belong to one body. The body has many parts. Eyes and ears and mouth and nose, head, shoulders, knees and toes, okay. Um, All these different parts, they all have a purpose, they're all needed, they're all integrated together, they look different, they function different. They're not all the same. Have you figured that out? Right now, I mean, it's hilarious. If you're ever around Grayson, there's not that many people around because he kind of gets the, you know, if there's too many people around, he won't perform, when, you know, on cue when we say, do something, you know. But it's hilarious. You ever get him go, where's your big toe? He'll probably go, my toe. Okay, for a two-year-old, it's funny, okay? For a 46-year-old, apparently not. But I'm just saying. But he grabs his toe and he'll go, my toe. He's learning that he's got a toe and it's different than his elbow and it's different, you know, and all these different things. We're not all cookie cutters of each other. Religious institutions have missed the point over the ages because they don't want you to be different they want you to be uniform, they want you to dress alike, they want you to vote alike, they want you, to, you know, to be exactly and think exactly the same. And this was not God's intention at all. We serve a God who is creative and enjoys the differences that we all have. He's put us all together, different styles and different functions. A healthy church is put together by God where everyone is different. It's like a blessed diversity not because of skin color, not because of, uh, you know, politics or, or how wealthy you are or how unwealthy you are, depending on how you look at it, but because of necessity. We need to be different and we need to be healthy. 1 Corinthians twelve four says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one of you, each, each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. And then verse 12, first Corinthians 12, it says, Just as one body, though one has many parts, but all its member, uh, many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many he keeps kind of repeating himself over and over because he wants us to get it. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body. Wow. That foot sure has low self-esteem, doesn't he? I mean, wow. It would not, not for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If ears should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to to the body you know it makes you wonder who the ear has been listening to I'm not an eye I'm not a part of the body if it would not for that reason stop being part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be I mean can you ma- imagine showing up to, to meet the guy on a blind date It's just one big eye blind date. Okay, anyway. I know, I can't help it. <sighs> you know, we'd be like, uh, no, we, want, we like proportion, you know. So anyway, you know, we're, if one part suffers, every part of the body suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. See, we're all created to be different, but we're all integrated. You know, I, I remember when I was uh, a youth pastor, I broke my little pinky toe, okay? We're out on the beach with the youth group and having a fun time, and uh, one, of the, one of the kids decides, uh, you know, we're kind of pushing each other over in the sand, okay? We're tackling each other in the sand, okay? But he decides he's going to be funny and come up behind me and grab my feet and lean into me and pitch me face first into the sand, okay? Pretty funny, Okay, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we were all doing it. Problem is, he left his shoes on. So when he started dragging my feet and my body went this way, my little toe caught on his shoe, okay? And it broke my toe. So I'm sitting there. This, uh, imagine my hand being my toe, okay? My hand really wants to be my foot. So, okay, I know, bad, bad one. But, but my, my, my pinky toe was sticking out this way, okay? So being around injuries and stuff like that, you know what? There's not much a doctor can do anyway. So I take that sucker and I pull it back into place. And it goes like this. Thunk. I'm like, ah. I pull on it. I put it back in place. And it goes, thunk. I'm like, dad, burn it. So now I got to take all the kids home so I can go get, you know, the doctor to, to you know, because the muscles weren't to pull on it. So, so I take all the kids home. and all. It took like two and a half hours. I finally go to the, to the emergency room. And, and he's like, okay, well, we need to give you a pain shot. I'm like, no, just grab the sucker and put it in place. No, 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 no. We can't do that. So they give me a pain shot. The pain shot hurt worse than anything they could have ever done. You know what I'm saying? I guess it relaxes the muscle enough to let it go back into place. And then all they do is tape it to the next toe, okay? There's not much they can do on that. Well, that night, although it was just a little pinky toe, I mean, just a little bitty toe, My body decided to stay up and hurt along with my toe. It wanted to keep the toe company, I guess. I don't know why. But see, this is how Paul says that we need to be. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of our members hurts, we all hurt. We should be there to support. Sometimes that means staying up with them. Sometimes that means going to be with them. Sometimes that means opening up our wallet and helping them out. Sometimes that means just providing food. Whatever that role is, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. We're not supposed to be in competition with each other, you know, each other in church. We all have different roles. Now some of us feel that our role is to, you know, stay in the pantry and only get pulled out once ever so often and be used. You know what I'm saying? My, my, my two-year-old, he likes to go into the pantry and he does two things. He either goes in there and grabs the, the cashews because he loves cashews or he goes in there and he shuts the door and he goes, where are you? Where are you? So we stay outside the pantry and we go, Grayson, where are you? You know, and play that game back and forth. But sometimes it's like that with members of the church. Where are you? And you're in the pantry. It's like, no, 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 we, you need to be out, part of the family, part of the, what's going on. Don't be sudden. No, I just need to be stored away in the pantry and only get used now and then. Where do we go from body to pantry? I don't know. Anyway, if there's any part of you that still says no, You know, some of us feel like we're just along for the ride. When in reality, we should be working along with the other parts. Some of our parts are invisible. Some of our parts are invisible. We need to respect the invisible giftings of our parts. I have a liver. It functions really well. I need a liver. That's a good thing. I've never looked at my liver. It doesn't make a lot of noise. It just serves the body. Without the liver, what would happen? I would die. Without part of the body, we die. Without you guys, we die. Now, Paul in verse 6 of Romans 12 is going to point out some specific roles. Now that you all understand, one part is not better than the other part... Some parts are going to get attention. Some parts are going to be up front. Some parts are going to be in this position or that position. Some are going to be hidden. Now that we have God confidence, or you build your God confidence, you don't have to have all the other gifts within you. You don't have to have all these other abilities. You have the ability that God has given you. God has given you some abilities, and not all of them. That's a good thing. He expects us to develop these gifts within the body and use them inside the church and outside the church. We should all be doing something, some type of ministry, because these gifts and abilities need to be used or they deteriorate. Verse 6, it says, We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with the faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Romans 12, 6-8 is one of three passages in the New Testament that talks about gifting. 1 Corinthians 12 is the other one, and Ephesians 4. And if you put all these together, you kind of have this complete list from Paul of different giftings. But really, you got to go back to Genesis and see where God has given gifting, different types of gifting, all the way through the Bible, because he's the same God. For knowing that, uh, you know, it, different giftings from, from knowing how to build or create something, to hospitality, to speak, to you know, in another language to praise God. And there's all these variances to to gifting. But the Apostle Paul makes the point about the gifts that God gives us. He calls them charisma. It's the root word where, where, uh, the root word for charisma is, is charis. It's the word grace. It's a beautiful name. It's very, you know, graceful when a person operates within their gifts, Right? It's beautiful. It's great when they operate in the gift. On uh, on the other hand, there's nothing more awkward than a person operating within what they think is their gift when it's not. And you're just like, oh, I mean, this would like be me having a microphone singing on the worship team. And you'd all be going back there going to to Al in the back going, turn him down. Don't let him just turn him down. Because you'd all be like, oh, that hurts my ears. Now, at the same time, how do you develop a gift? you got to practice. You may try the worship team. You may try teaching the kids. You may try teaching a Bible study. You may try serving. You may try helping out with the art. You may try all these different things and go, you know what, I don't think this is my gift. And that's the okay thing. And then move on to the other one. But the thing that we're not supposed to do is go, I don't think that's my gift. Let me go sit down. And then we sit there like a bump on a log. God's saying, figure out You're gifting. Paul expects expects us to discover our gifts, to open them, and to use them. How would you feel as a parent or friend if you bought a gift for someone you love and they set it aside and said, I'm not going to open it? You'd be offended, right? God's the same way. God's the same way. He expects us to open the gifts and then use them. But we cop out of this. Well, I don't know enough Bible yet. I've only been coming for six months or I've been coming for 30 years, but I still don't know enough Bible yet or I haven't identified my gifts yet. Well, start trying them. Identify them. Don't be lazy about this. Don't be on a 15-year break or a 20-year break or a 5-year break or a 2-year break. It's time to get busy serving the Lord. Next week, we're going to look at all these different spiritual gifts that he talks about. And and we're going to look at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. We're going to go through each one of them and how, you know, love really ties each gift together. And without that love, man, it's a messy thing. I mean, life is already messy enough, right? Then to bring that into the Christian world. And if we don't put love together in the middle of all this, man, it's, it's ugly. And we shouldn't be like that. Part of what Paul is saying is this. He says at the very beginning, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're giving back to the body, right? You're starting to serve one another and you serve within the giftings that God has given you. And we're gonna start that process next week. Why don't you stand and we'll uh, pray as the worship team finishes us out for the day. Lord, we're so thankful that we're not all alike, and I pray that you help us discern and to understand how that's a good thing. You made us all different. We all look different in the mirror, but Lord, you've made us all unique in in the sense of you have a place for each one of us. You've taken different personalities and put them together. You've taken different desires and understandings and put them together. And I pray, Lord, that we turn around and use those for your kingdom. That we not leave the gift of, of your Spirit setting on the, on the table. That we're able to take those things that we've learned and go out into this world and with grace and with love serve each other and present you to this world that so desperately needs it. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.